0: happy saturday night to you it is a a nice fall saturday evening here in the puget sound and uh, i just poured a little bit of let's see what this is this is old forester 1870. it's a wonderful bourbon from the brown foreman company which has been around a long time now this bottle even though it's called Old Forester 1870. It was not made in 1870. (laughs) It's reminiscent of a recipe that was around in 1870. It's a great bourbon. Mm. I thought it would be an enjoyable way to spend a little bit of time on a Saturday evening recording this podcast for you because I've got this idea rolling around in my head that I've wanted to share with you for quite some time. And I think I figured out how to share this idea with you. So let's just imagine you were here with me and I'd hand you this nice Oliva double Maduro cigar that I'm enjoying as well. And it's about a six and a half inch by 52, I think, ring gauge. And just lit it. Oh, it is a great cigar. So I'm surrounded by wonderful things and uh, I wanted to share this thought with you. Let's call today's podcast The Idea That Won't Go Away. So, My dining room ceiling rises to nearly 16 feet (laughs) and it joins right into the kind of a sunken living room area as well. So there's a big span there. So for our first Christmas in this house, I had the idea to place a tree in there, a Christmas tree that would use up every inch of the height. Now that idea resulted in a family legend that lives on to this day, complete with broken ornaments and gouges in the drywall and cursing and shouts of look out as the nearly I don't know, 300 pounds maybe, edifice of a tree teetered and then collapsed under its own decorated weight. (laughs) Well, that idea needed to die, (laughs) but not all ideas need to die. What's your idea? You know, that idea that's been rolling around in your head for months, or maybe for years, that one. It's a quiet voice in your head, Not the kind of quiet voice that gets quieter with medication. (laughs) Not that kind. But it started with a, uh, hey, you know, somebody should. Or it would be great if. Or I should. And then every time the idea returns, it's followed by a little bit of a rush of adrenaline and it hijacks your attention and your creative mind races ahead. And you can clearly see the idea full-blown completed. This idea, capital I as I talk about it, is bigger than your abilities and your treasure and your skills. It's even bigger than you are. So you push it down, you set it aside, and you delegate it to that cold, someday basement in your mind, and there it waits, among the other boxed dreams to be taken out and dusted off whenever you find yourself with a few uncommitted hours. And there it waits, as the seasons come and go. Most of your ideas die there. Their time came and went, along with your will to engage like old photographs. (laughs) They mark a spring-long past. They prompt a kind of melancholy memory all their own. If only, is the thought and the feeling, or I should have, and with a sigh of, oh well, you think about most ideas uncompleted, and then just move on. But some ideas are uncooperative (laughs) they refuse to be put away so easily they rip open the box and they climb up the stairs and they scratch at the door of your plans they pay no heed to timing they can't be ignored they interrupt your sleep they commandeer your dreams they demand your attention and as time passes they just grow stronger and clearer and louder it's as though you belong to the idea rather than the other way around you know what i mean don't you Even as you listen to this, your attention has been taken hostage. And I'm not talking here about a hobby or an obsession or an addiction or a predilection to fulfill your base appetites. Nothing like that. It's not even about you. It's not even about what you want. It's not something that would be nice or kind of a good idea to have happen or kind of cool. It's not even an opportunity in a sea of other opportunities that fill a pathologically optimistic to-do list for Whenever you get around to it, this idea is something you must do. You must create it. It's not like a concept you merely thought up. If you're honest with yourself, it just showed up and knocked at your door. And at the risk of sounding like a weirdo, the idea invited itself in, and it got a hold of you by the lapel, not the other way around. Ignore it, and it'll hunt you down and it'll make you miserable. Chase other ideas, other shadows of ideas, other strategies, other opportunities, even other appealing careers, and you'll merely find yourself right back here again. But months or years older, staring at the idea in the face. Does this sound familiar to you? If it doesn't, if this isn't your experience with the idea, just stop listening right here. You got better things to do with your time. <laughs> Just, you know, you got people got people to see, places to go. <laughs> but if you're nodding inwardly, clenching your jaw a little, and if you're mildly annoyed and a little afraid of the idea, then let's keep going. Why did you, let me be frank, why do we put the idea in storage along with all the other ideas? Most of those ideas ended up in the basement of our wishes and of our dreams for good reason. Like, kind of like my massive Christmas tree idea. They weren't worth it. They were actually bad ideas. (laughs) The cost in time and money and energy and opportunity for those ideas was just way too high. And they were slapped down by reality as they should have been. But this idea, the one you're thinking about right now, won't die so easily. This idea is fundamentally different from all your other ones. Like the good, wild, wise men in Dylan Thomas's poem, this idea will not go gently into the night, even when we try to make it do so. Why then do you and I try to put the idea away for that mirage of later or someday? Well, you know, I thought about this question for a while. For me, there are at least four dynamics at play happening all at once in a flash. Maybe you've noticed these same things. The first dynamic is I listen to my fear. The idea was so huge that it scared me. Fear moved through me quickly, and in a flash of blinding clarity, I saw both the scope of the idea and the mess it would make of my tidy, comfortable life. Doubt and dread gripped me. I grabbed the packing tape, and I wrapped the idea in a box, and I scribbled later on the lid, and then I kicked it down the stairs of my mind. (laughs) There's another dynamic that's at play at the same time. I looked at my abilities. Well, to be more precise, I looked at my lack of abilities. Because, you see, I know my skills. I like doing things that I'm good at. It makes me happy. But the idea will require things from me that I'm really bad at. This is the dark side of clarity that almost no one speaks about. I know what it will take. To make the idea happen, and I'm not up to the challenge. More packing tape, please. (laughs) Ah, there's a third dynamic. I miscalculated the resources. Now, maybe you're like me. I'm pretty conservative with resources, and I manage them fairly well. Time and money and, I don't know, equipment and my expertise and others' expertise and systems. These are all like resources. I never spend what I don't have, because I love margins. But the idea will require commitments before I even have the resources or even know where they're going to come from. In fact, the resources don't even exist when I set out to make the idea a reality. more tape! There's a fourth dynamic at play, all at the same time. Here it is, I listen to the wrong people. This is the biggest killer of the idea, if it can even be killed. The most efficient way to suffocate an idea, any idea by the way, is to share it with the wrong people. Talking to the wrong people will kill an idea before it gains even the slightest momentum. A breed, a specific breed of the wrong people upon hearing the idea will resist it with such force that even other people will be inoculated against the idea listening to their dreary views. Even the right people, who could create the environment in which the idea will thrive, will pick up their tools and their talents, and they'll just move on to other things. Then, tragically, when I listen to the wrong people, I lose heart as well. So now what? There it is. This idea is just staring you in the face. You've tried to ignore it for a while. You may try again, but it's not going anywhere. Knowing this is of no comfort to me. In fact, as I've wrestled with the idea and its relatives, I've found its tenacity to be distressing. That is until I decide to walk with it, to work with it, to cooperate, to create the setting in which the idea can grow. Once I decide, yes, this idea must happen, everything changes. My inner narrator changes. I stop telling myself someday or someone or I should and I start telling myself I will because the idea must happen. It will happen. My bias for analyzing and thinking and pondering and planning gives way to a bias for action. And then my creativity changes. My imagination grows. Not knowing what or who or how or when actually fuels me. Everything around me starts looking like an ingredient for success. Another change happens. My determination changes. Since the idea must happen, every roadblock is seen as nothing more than a problem to solve, and every stumbling block is a teacher. There are no dead-end streets. A no to me just means not yet, or not with you, or not this way. Every obstacle is transformed into a traffic sign pointing in a better direction. If I'm stopped, I pivot, and I find something that will move. There's always another step. There's always another move, and it's exhilarating. And then my calendar changes. The idea shows up in my time commitments. It rises to the top of my priorities. It occupies the best hours of my week, and I don't wait for motivation to act. It's in my heart, so it's in my calendar. And my calendar is a promise, and I keep my promises to the idea. And then my relationships change. People who say, no, arms crossed, like that's the end of the story, are replaced with people who say, "Uh, okay, here's another way. People with low velocity of work and high fear have no place in pursuit of the idea. When words and deeds are not in alignment, I trust what they do, not what they say. Because the idea deserves hardworking, fearless people. And lastly, I change. If we can be frank here, this may be the idea's most significant effect. Those who courageously engage to bring the idea about are themselves transformed. They shun comfort, they seek adventure, and then they join me in this change, and they become authentic believers in the idea. Who then are the right people? Well, I've learned that they have a few deep qualities. When I engage them, they offer wisdom rather than advice. They have a track record of making ideas happen. They possess a calm power that only comes from wrestling with their own weaknesses and emerging with a fierce, humble determination to succeed with the idea. They care about transformation rather than transactions. They choose adventure over comfort. Their view of risk is the inverse of a comfort seeker's view of risk. To the right people, the risk of not engaging is far greater than the risk of engaging and possibly failing. The joy of living in this creative arena leaves them with a great sense of humor, especially of the type that lifts people up and pulls them in and keeps them going. So without the right people, the idea will rest on your shoulders alone. And take it from me, the weight of the idea will wear you down when you carry it by yourself. But once shared with the right people, it will take hold, and it will grow, and it will flourish, and (laughs) so will your endurance. The idea must happen. When it does... Perhaps people will be lifted out of poverty a little bit more. Perhaps the ignorant will be truly educated. Perhaps our children and our grandchildren will be healthier and a little less selfish. They'll create more than they consume. Our most vexing problems will be solved, and wise leaders will have wiser followers. The idea that's been staring at you all this time like it's picked you personally, is still waiting for your courageous action. Isn't it time? Something to think about. I hope this is helpful for you, and I'm going to finish this wonderful and Helpful. (laughs) Old forester, 1870. I poured about an ounce of it over this one ice cube, and now it's perfect and ready to sip on. And I'm going to finish this cigar, and it's a Saturday late afternoon, early evening, and I'm going to kick back and put my feet up and think. If you were here, I'd be sharing all this with you face to face. But since you're not, uh, I guess we'll resort to the good old podcast approach. Take care. You're doing good work. Keep it up. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E, where you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.